Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, I'm Muriel Dunley, and this is the K-12 Athlete. I want to start off by saying 16 billion. That's one, six, 16 billion. 16 billion what? People on the planet? No, that's actually 7.8 billion. The 16 billion I'm talking about is the 16 billion dollar kids sports industry. That's right, 16 billion dollar sports industry for the children. Um, I read an article the other day about a 10-year-old boy. Um, this is going back about three years now, and his parents spent 15,000 dollars on a backyard batting cage. As well as that, the young man had a hitting um, practice every week, which was 100 dollars. Per, per session, um, a fielding lesson once a week, which was $100 per session. And there you have it. This is one of the reasons why we now have a $16 billion kids sports industry. Um, my husband, Craig, is joining me today. Now, Craig, we 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 spend a little fortune on kids sports, <laughs> do we uh, not? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we keep it in check, though. Right. Um, uh, I go through this all the time because it's like, these kids start at such a young age and getting into these um, travel programs that you you, you kind of want to like um, – you kind of get that what they call FOMO, that fear of missing out. It's mm-hmm. like the bullet train has taken off and you better get on because all these other kids are doing it. But we um, – I've kept it in check in the sense that I try to you know, see what the, the value is around and what the different clubs are – are charging and different things and, and all those additional extra fees and stuff. And you think about it and you, and you just got to focus on um, the age of the kid. And we've talked about this last week. And it's like, you really need to get this involved or this this much into it before they, they're teenagers, before they're 13, when you don't even know what their bodies are going to be like or they're going to even know their own bodies and how much can change. And I think what depresses me the most about youth sports is how many kids drop out before that because they don't, they they weren't given the the right opportunity. They right. didn't because they didn't get on that bullet train. Right. And I think that um, that's unfair, and I think that's just the culture we live in. And hearing about the boy that you were talking about, that basically sounds like, you know, this culture we have in our society that it's so focused on college scholarships or going pro or being famous that these parents will invest that kind of money. I mean, that's wild. Right. Um, now, I I actually spoke to um, a few parents and. Where we live, um, like, you know, most parents have between two and four children. Now, we found, I found out that um, a lot of these children actually started their sports at a very young age of about three and a half years old. Um, And by the time these kids are about, you know, 10 years old, some of them play as much as like, you know, four or five different sports per season. And we're talking about just between our children, they have soccer. Well, they used to have soccer, gymnastics, ballet, lacrosse, um, softball, baseball, taekwondo. And if you think about it, with these kids, we're talking about they have to sometimes go to practices between two to four times per week. Um, and then they have their games, etc. And we're talking about like so much money that is being spent on a on an annual basis, like for these children. And we're talking about like you think about it, the 
the actual registration fees, um, the travel fees, the, the summer camps that they go to, the equipment. We have a rebounder in our back garden. We know people who have rebounders, basketball hoops and everything else. Then you've got the coaches. And then, like you mentioned before, the um, about not being left behind, the private coaches and the private trainings. And then for those parents who are constantly with their kids traveling around like to other states, etc. We're talking about hotel fees, etc. I mean, um, apparently, depending on where you live, some families spend anything from between 2% to the high-end family spending more than 10% of their annual income on kids' sports. I mean, to me, that's like, that is like ridiculous. In, um, you touched on it in the beginning, and, and I was saying, yeah, I, I mean, I love the idea of playing as many sports as you can because I think that's what you should do. Right. But once it becomes this travel and expensive and it's time-consuming and, and all, all, all these extras, it no longer becomes about, you know, what I think what it was supposed to be, which is the kids who were supposed to fall in love with sports and, uh, you know, become active and healthy and, and, and find out the, the benefits of, of being a healthy uh, child. And I think that's all kind of goes out the window when we do that, and it's kind of a shame. And again, you you mentioned even the income for these people. I mean, some of these people people somebody might might make five times more money than another family, right? But will spend seven times more money on their children's sports and associations. And I think that's um, makes it it takes it even further than just like not even like you said, not even the amount of money that some of these families will. spend make more than other families it's how much they actually will invest and then that's that's a lot that's a lot right i mean like we we actually spoke to a gentleman and this is going back like a about three four years now do you remember and there was a man in our school district who whose son uh wanted to um go to college for was it diving mm -hmm. and he would take his kid um travel like the hour hour and a half depending on the traffic all the way into the city um, and stay there for like an hour or so and come back. And he did that several times a week just to make sure his yeah, he uh, kid went to an Ivy League school. There was a, a coach, uh, yeah. I think from a, a Chinese coach, and they were the best at diving in the world. And right. he would drive his son to, uh, I think it was Hunter College, right in right in the city, two or three times a week um, to have lessons and diving practice. And you know what, that boy, though, he ended up going to an Ivy League school. He was, you know... He had one other rival in the state that kind of edged him out for the state championship, but he was, you know, he was a ranked in the country. I mean, so that that father did a lot more than just that too. That father paid for tutors for every subject for his son. Right. He invested a lot into his son, and his once once told me a story because uh, he worked in the, the golfing industry, and he uh, he would uh, had his son take private golfing lessons all the time, and 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 he would uh, the son played golf on the side and. Not, one day his friends were talking about golf and they had no idea that he ever played golf the boy because he had thought this is something that he did was trained through his father um but never did socially right so it's like you know those are some some people just find the need to do something with their kids that they want to invest and think that it's going to make them better in the future and that's that's their right right but the problem what happens with this is when you start getting into the the, the, well, not so this family, but when you get into the travel sports and things at such young ages, you're depleting the recreational leagues. Right. You're taking all these kids out of local community recreational stuff, and you're depleting that. So those kids now can't play or won't have competitive kids to play with, and that 
that kind of ruins it for them. So now you get that same thing, that income well, inequality. That's a major problem. Well, that's what it comes to is there is like the income inequality because what happens – well, if you think about it, um, I, I hear a lot of parents talking about – them, you know, like they, they pushing, not, not pushing, but helping their kids, whether it's with gymnastics or lacrosse or softball, whatever it is. But you do have some parents who think that their kids are eventually going to be getting a scholarship. But if you think about how much they are spending annually leading up to college age, they probably are actually spending more money leading up to it than, than what they would actually spend getting their kids and paying for their kids fully for college, if that mm. makes sense at all. Because apparently only 2% of high school athletes go on to play at top-level college sports. I mean, that's minimal um, compared to the, the sports, but also um, it's the amount of um, kids who play um, sports like a travel, um, there is a big, a big divide between uh, the income ratio of their families. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's, that's pretty sad. And just to put into quick perspective, when you talk about that $16 uh, billion or $17 billion of these kids' sports is, is that that's larger than the business of professional baseball. Yes. And approximately the same size as the National Football League. And that, that kind of money is going into it. And that, that, that should show you something because those, those are huge money makers and most popular sports in this country. And it's – insane to see that this kind of money and, and what and what we're starting to see even further is, is people i can't tell if they're predatory or they're taking advantage or this just gives an opportunity to 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 further a workforce especially some of these athletes that spend so much time in high school and college gives them a profession but i mean i don't remember having paid coaches growing up everyone was a parent or maybe maybe you've gotten like a, a school coach or someone an ex-player that really wanted to give back to their communities or and, and maybe towards the end you started seeing some i had some trainers that were getting paid a little bit but not i can't imagine to the scale of what these people are making today i mean a hundred dollars an, an hour or a hundred dollars a half hour for certain lacrosse training or base softball pitching training i mean that's crazy yes but but we here we have it again and we talked about this um the last time was that there are so many parents who do not want their kids to fall behind. And mm-hmm. so you're like, okay, I'm going to spend that extra money um, for an extra lacrosse lesson or for that extra soccer practice sure. with this coach, et cetera, because it's always that fear of being left behind well, that pushes a, them. It's a competitive advantage, especially right. at the young ages. Again, if you don't know their body, they don't know what they're going to turn into. They don't know how big and strong these people can be or how fast or how they change. But at, at the early ages – it's about touches, we say. It's about the more repetition. The more you get out there and the more you do it, the more lessons you get, the better you will be, especially at a young age. Now, it doesn't always translate, but if you continue to progress and you keep going in that way, yeah, you can get great benefits from it. Because like I said before, I think I said last time, like if you can get five, ten minutes one-on-one with a coach during a regular season is a lot. Right. So, a half hour to an hour one-on-one training session, that's like more than a se- – that's, that's, that's an amazing amount of, of – experience. Right. So I think there's a lot of parents who take advantage of that situation as well. Now, um, over the past 10 years or so, team sports um, has actually declined, um, you know, in, in certain areas, in certain parts of the countries. What you tend to find is that 
families from the lower income, those children don't tend to go into team sports as much, whereas you have the more influential um, affluent families and their kids tend to, you know, to basically pay, uh, play more sports. Um, and that's also very scary because you're thinking about kids who are out there who are really talented but don't have the opportunity to play because of the fact that you do have some parents who, like, you know, you, you've got that elitism going on where, for instance, like, to register your child costs, costs a fortune, then for their uniforms and for the tournaments and everything else costs so much money that the divide is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then now what's going to happen is that because of that, you do have the children from the lower income families who could be better, but maybe don't get that opportunity. And now potentially going forward 10, 15 years, for instance, when it's time to go to college, they don't get seen by all the same people because they, you know, got left behind like five, six years before. Well, that's why the the term pay to play. It's right. A, it's a pay to play machine. Right. And um, what happened is they said since 2008, I, I read that, you know, there's been a huge drop off in uh, in many sports. And they said baseball alone is down 20 percent. Now, I was thinking the other day of how much we spend annually just for our two children. And I was like, okay, you know, we've got two kids. At one point, you know, one of them was doing up to five sports. Um, and it was like ridiculous because it was, you know, like an hour here, an hour and a half there, um, or two hours here, two and a half hours there. And it was literally like four to five sports a week. Now, we only have two children. And I was thinking, what about all those families out there who have like multiple children, like three, four, five kids? Um, we're talking now of a ridiculous amount of money that is being spent annually. How do parents, I mean, what happens with these parents when it comes to all these children? I mean, do they have to divide the money equally between these kids? Or is it a case of like having to decide that, okay, this kid is better at this than that, so they're going to have to do this? Or do you know what I mean? Well, most people base it on the talent, yeah. If, 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 one, if one child's excelling more than another, they're going to invest more. I mean, you got to, I mean, it's, again, you, you, you see something or you want that, you know, um, Twinkie at the end of the stick. I mean, right. the. Uh, I mean, we live in a culture where they they tantalize us with this reward of uh, gifted athletes, you know, getting scholarships. I think uh, figures close to three billion dollars um, in scholarships past uh, year or so for the Division One and Division Two athletes. I mean, that's a lot of money for people to be dangling, and it's like you know they want to. Uh, shoot for that and it's just uh but that but but do you not think that it's like if, i mean if you think about it that's a lot of money but i mean at the end of the day don't you think that the amount of money that is being spent annually leading up to that is ridiculous i mean i'm just thinking like i mean we've got well, a 12 year old i mean it's not you ridiculous mean, if you have it it's a luxury <laughs> this is a luxury for for for, for these it, the problem isn't the, the money being spent, the, the problem is it's separating two cl a class system. Right. It's people are actually spending this money, and now these other people can't do it because they're being outpriced. Right. So it becomes the pay-to-play system. You got the money, and you want to do it. Your kid can do it. And other kids, okay, I can't. Um, I, I, we can't afford travel. We don't want to go on a travel. And it's it's becoming harder and harder. And then at the same time, but are we siphoning out some of the best athletes? Because, I mean, we could say all this, but still some of the best athletes in this country – 
Mm-hmm. Come, came from lower income families. Right. I mean, usually in most cases, the stories you hear, they, they were. So it's it's a situation where it's a luxury, just like anything else. It's become uh, spending money on your kids has become a luxury item. Now, do you ever do you think that um this is going to change at some point? Because I mean, do you think it's going to be maxed out? Because no. be, you don't think so? No. Not ever. I, what I, about the lower income families? I mean, I because think they, uh, if they, what about the, I mean, like because we're talking now. Well, there's like, going to have to be. They're, they're going to find other organizations. They're going to just they they will they they can if their schools have have free things. Their military families have have free things. Certain soccer associations out there. That, I mean, you just need more of those organizations to start creating. You know, using some wealth and some money to create some more opportunities for people, but I think I don't think you're ever going to stop wealthy people from spending their money on on, on luxuries. I mean, that, I mean. But do you, right? So you think it's just going to carry on? Well, I think, and I think the big, yeah, and I think the change also, uh, it's it's coming from up top as well. Uh, I talk about it all the time when uh, you're familiar familiar with this. I think it was uh, 2005. I can't remember what year, 95 or something when uh, England. And Germany played in a friendly or something at like Wembley Stadium, and England just beat the pants off of Germany like six nothing, five nothing. And Germany walked away going, "Gosh, what are we doing wrong? What is England? What 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 are we doing wrong?" And they realized that in England at the time there was like seven hundred paid coaches, right? And in Germany there was thirty, right? So it was like, wait, if we start paying coaches and training coaches to therefore train these younger kids, we can build off that. And Germany did exactly that and won, what, two, three World Cups. They dominated a decade of, of soccer. And then all of a sudden in America, the U.S., we hired a German guy to run our, our organi- um, U.S. soccer organization, and he implemented the same approach. Let's start training these, these, these coaches and get more paid coaches out there to treat these kids because you know what? Yes, they're only looking for that point point zero one percent that one kid, right. the two kids. But you know what? That's the only way you're going to be able to build them. So they think this is these this approach will will bring us there. And also, the U.S. You know, we see ourselves as a land of winners, uh, bred by a culture of fierce competition that rewards success. And that's that's what people well, comes want down to keep to doing. The dollar sign. It all comes down yeah. to money. All right. Well, you know, it would be interesting to maybe come back on this and like you know, two, three years' time and see, you know, how many billions it's raised by because, I mean, only a few years ago it was like 13, 14 billion. Now it's like 16, maybe even 17. Um, well, and It's uh, not going anywhere. They're building facilities now with multi-sport facilities, right. batting cages here, weight training here. I mean, we, on, we know because Sunday, we were talking about it. On Sunday we went to our daughter's game and before us they had guys were flipping tires. There was a whole, you know, group of teenage Boys and girls doing all sorts of CrossFit-style training. And- money, money, money. Money makes the world go round. Well, um, that's it for our show for today. Um, we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you join us again next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.